The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link, joined as always by lead prospect writer James Anderson. James is going to be looking at your latest article going up on the site here momentarily. It'll probably be up by the time most people listen to this. Farm Futures Top 15 Pitchers Under 26. Last week we talked Top 15 Hitters Under 23. What was the what went behind the decision to raise the age requirement here for the pitchers? I think this is the most interesting exercise when it's around sixty to seventy percent big leaguers with some some of the elite prospects sprinkled in, and pitchers just don't become good pitchers typically when they're as young as those hitters we talked about last week. You know, I mean, it's there's a lot of factors. Obviously, I mean, it's it's a completely different thing physically to be a pitcher a big league starting pitcher than it is uh to be a a hitter i mean you can have a 16 17 year old hitter just go out and and hit as much as they want like with pitchers you're obviously much more careful uh when they're younger and also just when they enter pro ball typically uh the international market plays less of a role in uh, the starting pitchers that are in the big leagues than it does the hitters and so most pitchers are getting drafted into pro ball when they're 18 or 21 and then so you would expect them to you know start to peak in pro ball when they're in their sort of mid-20s whereas when hitters are getting signed when they're 16 like last last week's article 10 of those 15 guys signed when they were 16 years old so uh, that's why hitters uh, tend to peak quicker than pitchers and so under 26 allowed me to kind of have the right sort of makeup where uh, there were some you know legitimate big league pitchers kind of leading the way and then I was able to mix in uh, my favorite pitching prospects 
Nice. Yeah, this seems to be the sweet spot here for sure. And that is interesting because it is kind of a young man's game, but on the it's more so on the hitting side. Uh, just takes a long time to develop those secondaries, really harness command and control. So, yeah, I think this is kind of the, the perfect range here that we're looking at. And the, the number one guy, Walker Bueller. Look, I'm going to subtweet somebody in the industry when I say I saw a bold prediction article for 2020. Uh, suggesting Walker Bueller will win the Cy Young next year, but he's in the mix this year. Yeah, I mean, he's already one of the game's elite pitchers, uh, you know, without even factoring in age. And it's just, I don't really know um, how to make this <laughs> that nuanced of a argument. I mean, just, he's just really good. He's in the National League. He's on the Dodgers. I mean, there's just very little to nitpick with Walker Bueller. Some of the guys behind him, I think, have statistical arguments uh to be up there uh, in the top spot um but to me i mean especially when you sort of factor in what you thought about these guys entering this season you know he was just in a completely different class than the guys right beneath him entering the season and he hasn't really done anything to kind of give up that title as as perhaps the best truly young pitcher in the game uh you know, it's he's not to the point where we can bank on 210 or 220 innings uh, even next season. But everything else, I mean, I, I love the ratios that he provides. I think he could have a sub one whip next year. Um, there's just there's just nothing really to, to quibble with with Bueller. Yeah, he's incredible. Coming off another dominant outing last night, I think 11 Ks. Uh, he's got a 282 FIP. For a starter over that many innings, 154 and a third, you just don't see that from guys not named uh, Max Scherzer very often. And looking ahead to 2020, I, well, currently on my rankings, I have him right behind Cole, and I think that'll probably be my one-two for starting pitchers next year. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where guys like Verlander go, DeGrom. Verlander's uh, homer problem just hmm, scares me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of people dealing with that issue. Though. A sub, what's his whip though? It's like one, yeah, it's, it's like 0.85 or something. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't, I think it's Cole for me, uh, pretty clearly as the top guy. And then, you know, I, I maybe don't necessarily want to be picking where I have to be the guy that takes the second starting pitcher. I'd like to maybe get in sort of in the middle there. Um, you know, I think guys like Blake Snell are going to really bounce back. Uh, I still think Noah Syndergaard's got a, a breakout year in him in terms of establishing himself as one of the two or three best pitchers in the game. But yeah, I think Bueller definitely has a case to be the number two guy. I think it's just workload is maybe my one thing where I might, might go with somebody else, but I, I don't really think you can complain too much about a guy that's probably going to throw 190 innings. Yeah. And the team context helps. Um, looking at the NLF war leaders among quality or among qualified starters, Scherzer is still number one, pretty amazing given all the missed time. Then DeGrom and Bueller. So, you know, you factor in that Bueller did miss or that Scherzer did miss that time. I think yeah, Scherzer's going to get a lot of Cy Young votes this year, I think. Number two on your list surprised me a little bit just given how shaky he was last year. But Lucas Giolito checking in at number two. I guess this is a ringing endorsement from you just um, in the belief in him and what he's shown this year. I, you know, it's. I, I just didn't really – I mean, is there a guy that I have below him that you would have had ahead of him? I mean, I think I was you actually make... looking at Flaherty. Oh, really? Um, he was on the bump today and, you know, he was on, in line for the loss, but he had a shaky start, but he's he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think Shane Bieber's got a really good case too. Uh, it, it was really tough. Uh, for me, I, I didn't consider Flaherty as much just because um, I think his – he, he kind of lacks the consistency uh, start to start. I mean, his his bad starts seem to be slightly worse than the other guy's uh, bad starts, and that shows up in the ERA, obviously. Um, you know, Giolito made some legitimate changes. I mean, he made a lot of changes, obviously, um, throwing – way more changeups, significantly fewer curveballs. Uh, he's been commanding his pitches better. Um, I, it could have been any guy of, of those next three guys, I think, on that list in the two spot. But, you know, I, I think Giolito's just been so good this year. Projection systems aren't going to be able to sort of throw out his 
two or three years before this, but I kind of think you you need to from an evaluation standpoint. He's just a different pitcher this year than he was last year, and obviously has the pedigree. He's got good size. I think he's a uh, really hard worker. He's got good makeup. Uh, team context not ideal, certainly, but I, I felt like he deserved to be in that two spot. Yeah, I do think there's a case for all those guys. Bieber too. You have Flaherty four. Just say with you know, a guy like Bueller and Flaherty, like they got off to rocky starts. Just remember that next year when you're one of your top guys gets off to a slow start, people are dogging you for taking him on Twitter. Uh, just remember it's a long season. But um, yeah, Giolito. Right, how much do you buy it? I guess. I guess I I was skeptical even as of a few months ago. Um, I so like I think he's legitimately good like i think he's yeah, a top he's 20 good. pitcher now uh yeah. to me and it's i think it's going to be interesting to see where you would take him in drafts next year but you know i think 25 years old he's probably beginning his prime right now uh you hope you get maybe five or six more years kind of like this one um you know team context maybe pushes him down especially 2020 i mean this white Sox team i, I still don't think is going to contend for a playoff spot next year but two three years down the line that might improve uh, to where he's a guy that you can get 15 wins from um now, yeah, i'm just we're still wrestling with last year a little bit he's not a guy that i'm gonna probably end up with I, like i, I don't want to be this huge lucas giolito believer like I, I think he's good i think these these other two guys are really good too um i have a feeling i'm not going to end up with many shares of him next year though uh just based on the amount of hype that is out there. You know, I, I, I see people tweeting about Lucas Giolito way more than like Bieber or Flaherty combined, I feel. Yeah, I kind of get that sense too. Whenever he's on the bump, people are active, certainly on Twitter. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's improved a lot. He's gained a couple ticks in velocity too. Do you think that's like a mechanical thing that he ironed out? I know he made, I know he adjusted bit. his delivery. Nice, um, okay. And it, it wasn't even stopped on the curve because like he he saw a velocity dip, and then I think he kind of got it back. Nice, right? Okay, like yeah. I think it's when he was a prospect, he was ninety six, um, pretty steadily. So I think he just got back whatever he lost. Yeah, I don't know when the last time Zips updated their three year projections. They have them five oh three, right? Four eight eight four eight one. You're not going to be able to find a projection system that supports yeah. where he's going to go in drafts next year because of how bad. Uh, the previous three years were for him. Yeah, you say you don't expect to end up with him, but even as not a huge fan, I could see myself ending up with him just because people will look at those projection systems and probably be a yeah. little skeptical. I think if that if that creates a discount yeah. just because the people see like, oh man, he's only projected for like a four one ERA or four two ERA or whatever, um, sure, then I could then I could see it. I I don't really want to leave a draft with him being my SP one, and I sort of think that that's where you'd have to take him unless you're just double tapping pitchers but um like a guy who didn't qualify for this list because of age uh blake snell i i think i'm gonna have a ton of blake snell next year because i still firmly buy into what he did two years ago and i think i'm just gonna chalk this up to sort of a lost year for him nice well before we move on fantasydraft.com would like to bring you an important message about rake are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free Daily Fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite contest without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. You mentioned that G, uh, Shane Bieber in this mix as well. Uh, you have him third on this list of the top 15 pitchers under 26 years old. He's great too. Um, 
Yeah, the 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 barrels kind of worry me, but I I was a fan coming in. You know, Sarah's kind of pushed me over the hump. Um, thank you, Eno. I'm profiting from Shane Bieber, and yeah, aside from the the barrels, I don't see anything to really not like with Shane Bieber. Yeah, I mean, do you think he gets treated like a true SP one in drafts next year? No, I don't. I really okay, don't. if he doesn't, then I I think I'll get hit. Like, who do you think has a higher ADP out of him and Giolito? Probably given team context, actually, probably Bieber. Yeah, I don't know. It's t- it's close. <laughs> I think. Just for next year, I think I would take Bieber over Giolito if I was on the clock and they were both there. Um, Does that hard hit rate scare you, though? 42.5% according to Baseball Savant, 8.2% barrel rate. Well, you know, he's probably got the worst fastball of these top four guys. And so, you know, when he gets into a hitter's count, I think that kind of leaves him susceptible to giving up hard contact, but he's got such good command and I, I love guys that are curveball slider, um, like throw both breaking balls. Uh just something like when, when both those pitchers are working, you can just become borderline unhittable. Um you know, the I, I think you could in that range you're gonna find something that you don't love about every pitcher. It's, there's just not many pitchers where mm-hmm. you can't find something that you're like, I don't know. Um, Very true. So I think he's, I think he's just a, a really good um, kind of back end SP one. And I think I'd live with the barrel concerns at that range of a draft. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and actually, even with the barrel rates, he hasn't given up as many homers as I actually, he's really not given up that many at all relative to others. I mean, you Darvish given up 31, Flaherty has given up 22 coming into today. So, yeah, even with some hard-hit balls, not as many clear in the fence. I feel like a lot of his are solo shots, too. Oh, I, mean, I, I have it filtered by NL only. Let me see here. It's not like he's <laughs> – like Bieber just doesn't walk many guys at all. So I think mm-hmm. that that kind of eases the, the homer issues. Yeah, actually, so Bieber has given up more than Flaherty. 26, but that's less than Verlander, Matt Boyd, Darvish. Ronaldo Lopez. So yeah, that is a problem, but look, you're going to you're going to find this with a lot of guys in today's environment and if they have the other skills and, and the team's good, they're worth investing. How how much do you like believe in this year's strikeout rate from Bieber? Cuz he I mean, he just I, I don't think th- I don't think I saw this rate coming from him, you know, like mm-hmm. I I liked him you know, I probably didn't like him as much as I should have before the season, but I was more about the ratios and He's just turned into a, a big-time K guy. Yeah, the swing strike rate, O-swing, seem to support it. Although his zone percentage is only 40.1, so I wonder if guys will start laying off those two breaking pitches a little more. Yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> I think you'd kind of just need to sit fastball. With yeah, him. just cheat. I can see it. Now five is interesting. Four is Whitley. Uh, we know he, all the time he missed due to injury, and then when he's – since he's come back, he's been pretty up and down. You're still adamant that this guy's going to pan out as a frontline starter. Yes. And it's just, it's sort of one of those things where I've just, you could tell you could show me anything like, and I would just sort of shrug like, just be like oh, eh. he's 21. I mean, all these guys we talked about, the closest guy to him of the guys above him in terms of age is Flaherty. And he's two years older. Um, Giolito's over uh, three years older. I mean, it's just pitchers. I mean, unless you're Mike Soroka you or Jose Fernandez, you don't <laughs> hit your stride as a 20 or 21-year-old. And Whitley's a big guy. I mean, I think you can draw a lot of um, just, I mean, the Lucas Giolito story, I think, should serve as a cautionary tale uh, against moving off of Whitley just because of this uh, year where really nothing's gone right. There's no sugarcoating this year. I don't think there's stuff you can take really, uh, other than the fact he's still missing bats at a really high clip. I mean, the, the swing and miss stuff is there. Uh, there's not really any other positives you can take from this year, but he's a big pitcher with electric stuff. I mean, it takes a long time to harness that type of arsenal, uh, especially when you get up to a level where uh, hitters are a little bit more choosy about what they swing at. So, I mean, 
and just take some time and I'm just not going to move off of him being the top pitching prospect in the game based on one year when he was 21 years old and nothing really went right. Yeah, I mean, look at Giolito last year. It's yeah, recency bias can do weird things to your brain. So I give you credit for looking big picture still with, with um, Force Whitley. You mentioned Mike Soroka. I love the guy's skills, but uh, you know, we've talked about some guys that we probably will be on next year at the price. I don't see having a ton of Mike Soroka next year, just given the K rate, which you which you talk about here in the article. Um, it's not great. 19.1%, 13.5% K minus walk. High ground ball rate, and that helps him keep the ball in the yard. There's a ton to like, but I just think maybe I'm going to be priced out next year. Yeah, I can't wait to see where his ADP settles because – uh, I I think as long as you know what type of pitcher you're buying, um, then I think it's it's fine. If people uh, get a little carried away based on him being a young guy, so young, having so much success so early, if they, if people try to just get excited and treat him like something he's not, then I think you'll get into trouble. Um, you know, I I think it's it's hard for me to imagine his strikeout rate just staying the same mm-hmm. going forward. Like I don't see him be- ever becoming this massive strikeout guy, but I feel like in his, in his peak years, he'll be kind of in that one ninety to 200 strikeout range. Just, I mean, if you just look at his stuff and look at his command and look at his pitch ability, I mean, he's going to find ways to sequence guys into into striking out more as he matures as a pitcher and i think it's worth pointing out you mentioned the ground ball rate like he's not trying to strike as many guys out as these guys above him right he's trying to induce weak contact i think he's always going to be a guy where his era is better than his fielding independent uh numbers and I, i mentioned kyle hendricks is kind of like a you know worst case scenario the strikeouts never really get much better I, th- I think you're still getting a Kyle Hendricks level of pitcher who I think is always underrated in drafts so um I wrestled with Soroka and Paddock and I think there's been times this season where I've told people Paddock over Soroka because of the strikeouts but just the more I sort of thought about it I think you know whip they're about even I give Soroka a uh, decent edge in ERA. I think he's got a more complete arsenal. And I do think the strikeouts will get better. They they won't ever get to the point where you're drafting him for the strikeouts, but I think this is probably the low point for him as a big league starter in terms of the strikeout rate. Yeah. I think like, a, you know, XFIP doesn't look great, Sierra, but you can't expect this guy's home run rate to do rest of the norm because he is such a ground baller. Um, just doesn't have overpowering stuff. So I, you know, they're just the first, it's like 10 rounds next year stacked. And I just don't know if I'm going to be paying sticker for Mike Soroka. We'll see. Uh, Chris Paddock next up, number seven, he's kind of hit some bumps lately. You think it's mostly just fatigue wearing down a little bit, or do you see something else that kind of concerns you? I mean, the, the reason that he was not ranked, um, you know, people that don't rank prospects and just maybe would look at a projection system that would love Chris Paddock. The reason why the rankings didn't match those projections were because, you know, I'm factoring in the fact that I know he's mostly fastball changeup, uh, you know, really good yeah. fastball. I mean, the fastball is better in its velocity. Uh, excellent changeup, obviously, just nasty, nasty changeup. Uh, but the third pitch is sort of always the issue with him as a, as a prospect. And that's still the issue with him to me is just that he lacks a quality third pitch. Uh, fortunately, that's something that can be addressed. I mean, he, he it's not like his arsenal. Just like I don't think Soroka's strikeout rate just is going to stay the same. Paddock's arsenal probably isn't going to stay the same. And it's easier to add a breaking ball than to add a, a changeup. So uh, I would assume that at some point he develops – a third pitch that is better than this year's breaking ball has been for him. And I think that will be kind of crucial for him to take that next step. I mean, as is, I still think he's going to be a low whip guy. He's going to strike out a little bit over a batter per inning. Uh, obviously love the NL factor, but he does need to improve that third pitch, I think, to really sort of ascend to where the hype was on him earlier this season. 
Hey, look at the splits by pitch on fan graphs and 306 average on the curve, a 5.9% swing strike rate, 26.30 swing. There's a lot of work to be done with that pitch. I'd like him to, I feel like maybe it's just not going to be the curve. He might have to, you know, add a slider, add a cutter, uh, something because, I mean, it, he just kind of needs a pit like kind of a, just a show me pitch that's not terrible to be a, that third pitch it doesn't have to be um, some monster offering yeah and i you know i remember you being you know offering some words of caution because of the projection systems just looking at his past minor league history we're so optimistic but you said look the lack of a third pitch is gonna gonna haunt him eventually next up herman marquez and i'm i'll take the l this year i admit it it hasn't worked out, although the Ks were nice as a building block, but the ERA way higher than I thought. Uh, struggled at home. Coors Field, just the ridiculous joke in this environment. But it uh, sounds like we may not see Marquez again. I'll probably be in again next year, just given how jaded people are probably after this season. Yeah, I wish that we weren't dealing with this uh inflammation issue with the arm. I think that that would kind of make it a clear buying opportunity in the off season. Whereas if we go into the off season with this sort of as the last news on him, that maybe he gets shut down because of this, then there's a little bit more caution, I think uh, in terms of maybe you're buying a pitcher who's, who's hurt or maybe not a hundred percent, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll take a, a nice big L on this too. Uh, mentioned to you before we started recording that I have Marquez in a couple lineups this week because of the stupid start time of that Rockies game and the fact that that injury didn't get reported till like a couple hours before uh, that game had started and after I'd set all my lineups. But um, that's on me. And I think Marquez, I, I honestly believe if he's fully healthy, he's the second best pure pitcher on this entire list. Like I think if you put Marquez even – like if he was a Chicago White Sox instead of Lucas Giolito, I would have him probably in the number two spot, especially if he were healthy right now. Uh, it's just that Coors tax. You know, where do you draw the line on where the skills have to be, uh, have to land him versus where the Coors Field thing drags him down? I mean, somewhere in this kind of seven to twelve range is probably where he belongs. And I just am such a big believer in him as a pure pitcher that there's going to be some good years there's going to be some some not as good years because of the way that era is going to fluctuate with cores but uh i still think that he has to be highly valued especially if he can prove that he's healthy heading into uh the season next year yeah the rockies dead last in that division 59 and 74 i'm hoping they shut him down mostly out of an abundance of caution but i hope that they continue to play sam hilliard uh who we've talked about on the pod uh really excited to sort of see if he can get everyday work here over the rest of the season because he's a guy that I'd, I don't want him to be too good over this final month. I want him to be nice and cheap in drafts next year, but um, he's one of those guys where four really good tools, pretty questionable hit tool, but he gets cores, so we can work with that. Yeah, no dolls inching his way back, so I do not expect the Rockies to do the smart thing and, and find him at bats, but they should. I mean, Ian Desmond, come on. Um, but yeah, I hope they do give him time and I hope they just trade Marquez. I know they're not going, to, that's it's so it's impossible to imagine them trading. Him. Yeah, I know. Like they, they they're just not going to be competitive. They don't trade guys. Like no. they don't, they don't free guys and he's under contract through the, uh, 2024 season, oh, which yeah, really, time. really sucks. So I think you kind of have to treat this course field factor as sort of an inevitability going forward yeah doll by the way optimistic he'll be reinstated during the first week of september so we'll see how the playing time shakes out i mean they they got a city in desmond right but hilliard he's kind of i mean we have talked about him but not as much as uh, many others on the show yeah it was somebody hit me up on twitter um saying they added him when we were talking about him uh, a couple months ago and I added him in a in a league uh, this past week, just knowing that he was probably going to come up at some point with rosters expanding. I didn't know he was going to come up this week. But, yeah, I mean, speed, power, and course field, that's uh, typically a pretty good combination. 
Yeah, and by the way, go check out James's article from a few weeks ago, previewing September call-ups. We've already seen a few of those guys come up ahead of time, but uh, that should give you a good primer for this Sunday and the, the days to follow on who to expect to, to see there. Julio Arias, number nine on the list now. He spent a lot of time in the bullpen. It sounds like he could come back as a starter when he returns from suspension. Either way, though, still an extremely bright future in the starting rotation for Julio Arias. Yeah, I think he's a guy that the ADP will be nice when we do sort of our drafts and uh, at first pitch Arizona. I think you'll be able to get him in a nice range. And then the closer we get to the start of the season, I think just the hype, especially if he's looking good in spring training, the price might get a little little out of whack just because I you can't really bank on more than like 145, 150 innings from him next year just based on uh, how cautious the Dodgers have been in bringing him back from that shoulder scare uh, from a couple of years ago. So he's just not going to be able to get you the type of innings uh, that would allow him to compete with the guys listed ahead of him other than other than Whitley but I think just looking next three four or five years he could easily establish himself as one of the top 10 pitchers in the league before we move on a quick note from our sponsor Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports Yahoo has a has officially released their week one daily fantasy football contest they have a one million dollar contest for week one with no management fee and one hundred thousand dollars to first place Meaning more money goes back to you, the players. Ten entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. I do hate that. Uh, Yahoo has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there for week one. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. James, number 10 on the list, Jesus Lazardo, And conspicuous by his absence is Lazardo's org mate, AJ Puck. Uh, but let's focus on Lazardo first. Um, obviously, we haven't seen him like we were expecting, but do you think we will see him among the September call-ups? Yeah, I mean, I think as long as he stays healthy between now and the rest of the season uh he'll be up um this is just a situation where he's just dealt with enough setbacks where it's possible we don't see him this year but i I think if he stays on this current track he'll be up in september i'm stashing him in uh, the champs league so 15 teamers i think he's perfectly fine to have on your bench right now uh he's really really similar to me to julio urias uh just kind of shorter but stocky lefties with electric stuff urias has the edge though when it comes to national league dodgers and the fact that i think we can expect more innings from him next year than we can lazardo nice yeah i notice he's not really going deep in his outings with las vegas not really a big surprise just given the injury to his shoulder but it did build up to 84 yeah he's gradually throwing more pitches i think per start so you would think we will see him in the rotation unlike puck Right. I think that's yeah. been the plan all along was to bring Lazardo back as a starter and, and let Puck debut in the bullpen. Is Puck not on this list because you think there may be a, a Josh Hader type role in the future for him long term? No, I, he would have, uh, you know, I kind of sketched this list out to about like 25 guys. He was clearly uh, top 25, borderline top 20, mm-hmm. just a lot of young talent. I mean, I, I also kind of like drawing the line of how deep i go um once it sort of starts to get to like prospect 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 like you can just look at my rankings for that and those are going to be updated uh about a week from today a final update of the season but um it's you know tried to draw the line when it just started becoming a rundown of who's on my top 400 now number 11 jose barrios and have him in RDI. I have him a couple other spots, and things were great. I was loving it early on, but I don't know what it is. He just hasn't been the same guy lately. Obviously, a great team, and maybe it's Buxton not being in the field that you know the the decline in outfield defense has dinged him a little bit. But um, do you think Brios gets back on track here in a hurry? Uh, I just think he's like the least exciting of all the guys on this list, right? I mean, it's just kind of like. Very useful production, 
over a full season. And yeah, I think the Buxton thing is can't be stated enough. Like they're just a different defense when Buxton's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a guy where you ideally he's your SP three, and you're going to get innings. You're going to get wins. You're not going to get elite ratios. You're not going to get elite strikeouts, but. Um, you know, he just kind of is what he is. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of worried that there's not that next level. No. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's um, just the stuff doesn't tell me there's another level there. I think he's kind of doing a, a good job to be as good as he is with, with what he has. I also still think there's that kind of injury concern that lingers from me just because he's not a big guy. And he's, he's uh, you worry about the innings adding up. He's kind of dipped a little bit in his average fastball velocity this year so. That kind of lingers for me. And, yeah, just maybe he's plateaued. I mean, it, it's that. it's funny that he's, like, the first guy we've talked about um, as, like, an injury-concerned guy when oh, he's, he's yeah. really, like, he, he's shown as much as any guy on this list an ability to stay That's healthy. You know? so. It's kind of unfair by me. Right. I just have that in my head because he's not, he's not as, you know, big workhorse starter frame. Uh, Mackenzie Gore... We saw him kind of a surprise return from the IL. They they had left open that possibility when they shut him down. I don't know if he actually was on the IL, but they shut him down. He did return to pitch last night. Um, I know they were intent on fast-tracking him, so do you think Gore actually, maybe not like a paddock day one type of thing, but ends up spending most of next year in that rotation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a situation where I don't think they'd be afraid to break camp with him in the rotation uh but it's the padres you know i think they have four guys pretty well locked in if they're healthy into that rotation and they, they'll just have enough guys competing that somebody's going to emerge in camp as someone that they want to break break with as the fifth starter so he probably heads back to you know maybe maybe opens at triple a maybe they send him back to double a and have him skip triple a or something but i i do think as long as he's healthy like if he has a perfect off season and perfect first month or two of next season in terms of health i do think he'll spend more time in the majors than the minors next year nice and matt manning number 13 on the list uh you're expecting a mid-june 2020 debut for matt manning uh, let's hope so the tigers <sighs> never know what that front that's office. me that's me factoring in them being okay. annoying about this Good. like i really can't see them leaving him in the minors for more than half of next year i mean that just would be absolutely insane but um i mean he's he's a guy who should have probably been bumped up to triple a a couple months ago and probably should be in the majors now but just the way that they're handling him it you know it is what it is uh not really anything i can nitpick with manning um he's improved his command this year he has upped his ground ball rate. I mean, he's double A hitters are hitting under 200 against him. I mean, he's he's just really good. Yeah, and uh, unlike Burrios, he's got that workhorse frame. 6'6", 215, built, built how I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, Zach Gallon, number 14. And, man, it's been a pretty nice year for Gallon. And uh, the, the change over from Miami to Arizona, you know, you got to go to Coors, you got to face the Dodgers. So probably fewer spots where you can feel great about using him uh, moving forward, but the skills are, you know, great. Also love having Carson Kelly, Nick Ahmed, and Kettle Marte playing behind you. You know, yeah, that's or, true. Or Kelly in front of you, but like that's a really nice sort of up the middle trio of defenders that are going to save him uh, a lot of runs over the rest of his career. I mean, that's right. It, I guess if you don't have a if you have a Diamondbacks or a Padres starter, there are some landmines on the schedule for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you do? Like, so say you, I don't know if you're going to be in on Gallon next year. I don't really know what his price is going to be, but like, say you end up with Gallon as like your SP four or SP five or something. Are how do you treat all of his at cores and all of his Dodgers starts? I'm not ruling him out for all of uh, Dodgers starts, but all at cores. I just when I would try to watch Marquez this year, <laughs> it just gets so I mean, pissed off. It was just so painful, man. Just that outfield is so big, so many balls just squibbing in. Well, and their it's defenders to, suck too. To like they, they, yeah. they've got Ian Desmond running around out there. It's so. so true. 
Yeah, it's tough. But I think uh, for now, even though I did it with uh, Porcello and it burned me, for now, Coors is just a hard no. So when I guess you, I, yeah, overcorrecting I mean, maybe with. So my I think cat. when you're when I set in and like enter all my projections in the off season for prep and everything, maybe I just eliminate five starts that I I know he'll be healthy for, and I just know I'll be benching him for. You maybe so, improve the ratios, but you're losing right, K's right. wins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing about Gallon that I do like is the secondaries. The 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 usage is all really even. Like he throws the fastball about half the time, then fifteen and above for the cutter, curve, and change. So it's like that's a pretty nice balance. Like he's not he's got a nice kind of well rounded. It, it's repertoire. such a throwback to have a four pitch guy. Yeah, I'll you know, I think I mean almost all the guys we've talked about are three pitch guys, and so Paddock's kind of a two pitch yeah, guy. Exactly. So. Um, Really, really fun to have uh, a legitimate four-pitch guy. Yeah, he is kind of a throwback. I, I do like Gallon quite a bit. We'll see where that price settles next year. Casey Mize rounding, rounding out the top 15 here. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll just throw this up to you because you kind of went went in here on, on Mize. Well, he there's a there's a, a great tweet out there from uh, Cody Steven Hagen, who covers the Tigers for the Athletic, where he lays out, you know, his his last year at Auburn, first eighty four innings, two two five ERA, final thirty innings, seven oh one ERA, then one hundred nine innings this year in the minors, his first full season in the minors, uh, first seventy eight innings, ERA under one, final. 31 and a third innings, uh, another ERA close to seven. So it's just, it's kind of, you know, is this something that's going to be an issue for him going forward? Or is this just too kind of fluky? You know, maybe one of them was, maybe the Auburn thing was just sort of you know, fluky or whatever, or maybe just first time up over 100 innings. And one of these is fluky, one of them's not. I mean, I, I don't know what it means. It is kind of scary, though, that we're still waiting on him to have sort of a run of being a really good starter for a hundred plus innings. Um, I considered guys like, you know, other prospects like Brennan McKay, Ian Anderson for this spot. I considered, I even considered Max Freed who obviously hasn't been <clears throat> prospect eligible in a while, uh, but would have still fit the criteria for this. But I think my, I think you just kind of got to, go with him here in the 15 spot even though there are some concerns about how he's worn down each of the last two years it still has that really really high-end ratio upside never going to be a, i don't think he's ever going to be a top 10 guy in strikeouts but if if the ratios are where they're capable of being then i think he could be a back-end sp1 even if he's not striking out a, a ton of guys yeah, I remember talking to McKay when he got called up, and we were both kind of lamenting the fact that we weren't going to have him many spots. I got him in tout head to head, and I was over the moon, but it's just it's been brutal. And um, you know, I have some a bad taste in my mouth a little bit. He, Did you leave him off because of those struggles, or is it just the talent of the guys ahead of him? Um, well, I mean, if I'd done this article when he got promoted. He would have probably been. I mean, he might have been top ten. Yeah. Um, he's he's been dealing with this Homer issue. Like he's kind of getting that uh, almost sort of what like Corbin Burns was getting as a starter earlier this year, where he just can't, he can't solve this long ball issue. Um, and yeah, I, I think he will probably figure it out eventually. I think he's a guy that I expect to have a ton of shares of as long as he's healthy next year, just because I don't see the price being, I think I could see him being like borderline free in, in some mixed leagues. Um, so I think that he's someone I'll just take a, take a dive in on and just sort of see how it works. But I, I am concerned about the, the Homer issues. I'm concerned about the division. I mean, you don't want a guy yeah. in the AL, AL East, if you can help it. Um, you know, I left like I left Luis Severino off of this list. He qualified. What do, what do you think about that? Oh yeah, I didn't even think about him, but I think that's why is just given we've lost an entire year. We don't really know what he's going to be when he comes back. And it's a shoulder. I like. Yeah, shoulder is scarier than elbow. Like Jimmy Nelson is just literally never going to be a good 
starting pitcher again, I don't think. And he was awesome before that shoulder injury. And it's just sometimes it just really messes your career up. And I, I think it's possible that Severino uh, takes a step back in the right direction next year if he's healthy. But, you know, you're going to have workload concerns next year. I mean, he, he might never be the same guy. We just don't know that he will be. And, uh, you know, investing high – you know, investing significant assets in a pitcher who's where he is health wise. I think it's just really unwise. I mean, it was, it was unwise in drafts this season. Uh, and you could point to a guy like Mike Soroka. There were injury concerns during draft season as well, but he was going, you know, around pick 300. So you're, you're taking a risk, but it's a small risk to take at that price. You had to take Luis Severino inside the top 100, and you already knew he was hurt. So I think it's you can invest in injured pitchers as long as you're just not paying a, a price. But, you know, all these guys, I don't think I would trade them for Luis Severino right now just because of the the questions about him going forward. Yeah, that opportunity cost on Severino after the injury was just silly. And it does worry me that he had all offseason, then warming up for his first spring training outing. I think it was the first like slider he threw. Yeah, well, hopefully he's able to come back and pitch well in September and ease some of those concerns, but we just don't know. He's an unknown commodity right now. But great stuff, James. Awesome article. Check it out for yourself. Farm Futures, top 15 pitchers under 26. Rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Uh, before we move on to the final portion of the show, James, did you know that Rotowire has a college football podcast? It's a rhetorical question. Don't answer that. I know you do. Uh, that's right. Hosts Nick Whalen and John McKechnie will be posting episodes each Wednesday throughout the season with a focus on fantasy and betting. Just search for Rotowire College Football anywhere you listen. Uh, you already listen to podcasts. Now, we're up next, and I have a great entry into the list of uh, best commercial hip-hop jams. The old school uh, commercial jams that we're still getting down with today. I got an all time classic for you uh, from one of my favorite albums growing up, Master P featuring oh. Pimp C and Silk the Shocker. I miss my homies. Now you maybe say, "Well, is that really a, that commercial of a jam?" Well, it got as high as number two on the <laughs> Billboard Hot 100 Hip Hop Songs, a certified gold single, six hundred thousand copies sold. This is my first introduction to Pimp C. Uh, we used to grip on the grain and flip them candy toys. I love this song, and it still holds up. I actually have a vivid memory uh, of spending time with my dad and for some reason with, with him on a school night, and he had to drive us early in the morning to school, and it was dark, and I was just listening to this song on repeat for like the whole drive from Dayton to Arcanum, Ohio. Of course, I love the... Uh, Ghetto D case, the orange ridged uh, case, just a classic. Um, and the, the CD is great itself. And make him say, oh, another uh, decent commercial song, but it doesn't really hold up at all today. So this was, <laughs> this is my uh, entry from that album. Yeah, make him say, uh, does not hold up the way <laughs> you'd really like does. it to. <laughs> um, so mine. I'm glad we got some some no limit in there. I don't know if that's the last no limit. I I probably won't be submitting any, but um, <laughs> yeah. A shame. It, well, no limit. There was a period there where anything that was released under that record label was going gold. So yeah, uh, not surprising that it sold that well. Um, my entry is not from a rapper who I think is very good. It's not off an album that I think is very good. But it definitely was a commercial song, and I, I like it. And it's uh, Air Force Ones by Nelly. Wow, I'm surprised because I'm never as into this song. I'm, I'm not a Nelly guy at all. There's something about that song, though. I like the, I like the beat a lot. And um, I just sort of remember that was like sort of peak when Air Force Ones were cool. And I remember the video being kind of funny. And uh, the, the lyrics on this song are, are not good, uh, but I don't really think they're trying to be all that good. I mean, it's about shoes and, you know, you got to take it for what it is. I think the beat is awesome. And uh, I, the hook is, is catchy for me. I, I know that some people are probably just vomiting uh, hearing me add that into the playlist. I hope Andrew's cool with it, but uh, I dig that song. Yeah, I could see it. I think if I had a Nelly track, probably won't, but uh, <laughs> Country Grammar. Yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, this uh, two good entries. You know, I, I may have to give Air Force One another listen. Really turn it up loud. See if it still bumps. Uh, but yeah, we appreciate it, James, and we appreciate all of you for listening to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.